Welcome to Save That, the podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. Join me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. Yes, I am. So join us, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. True statement. True statement. Join us all the way from the scene, one of the pastors of Christ Media Church, Lee Younger. Hello, folks. We're back. I feel like on the last two episodes, I've made Oak Ridge, Tennessee about a two and a half syllable single word. <laughs> and, um, you know, we're do- all doing the best we can. Got a really big show today. We got another uh, artist interview, which we're excited about. This is a brother. He's actually from Appleton, Wisconsin, ooh, in the uh, the greater Chicagoland area. So he's a singer, and you can understand him. Which for people from Wisconsin, you think here Wisconsin, you think it's going to be a lot of a in the that accent. It's not true. Lovely singing voice, absolutely. Right. Brother named Danan Kane, who uh, was nice enough to sit out with us. Uh, and not even so much that we talk about his music. It's not got a new record out where uh, he's kind of writing songs about his own struggles with depression. Right. Which on. that's what really interested us because we know we've talked about depression a lot on the show. We've had a lot of people respond to that. We've actually been looking for an artist to a musician specifically who does kind of stuff about depression to talk to and be honest about that. And uh, Dana was nice enough to hop on the phone. We chatted for a few minutes, so we'll get to that later in the show. So a lot of stuff, so we should probably just get right into it. Yeah. No, we shouldn't. I'm going to stop you right there. I All like right. getting right down to the wisdom. That's we a have lie. a major league emergency. Now, Whoa. is this a serious emergency, Jen? This is the kind of emergency where on the other end you could hear wedding bells. Sure, this is oh a five-tool emergency. Oh, my god. That's what I'm talking about. Look. Say that podcast. I like how you said a phrase that didn't really mean anything. What's and that? The, on the other end of this emergency, you can hear wedding bells. Said like that was a phrase, and Glenn and Lee both went, ooh. Well, that's the power <laughs> of just, you know, really Confidence. nailing the delivery. Exactly yeah. right. But before, the delivery, before I was rudely interrupted by some people. Whoa, for right. reasons that will soon become apparent. By some people. Now, I was interrupted by Glenn or by Lee. Jed, shut your face and let's get to this emergency. <laughs> All right. Say that super fan, Sydney Hayes, <laughs> hit us on the Twitterverse, and she said, fellas, major discovery, breaking news. Brace yourselves. Be seated. Be prepared. Wow. wow. About to rock your world. Oh, and by wow. all of this, you mean she tweeted something that wasn't at any of us, and Jed and I both noticed it at the same time because of how amazingly ridiculous it was and seized on it. That is correct. Here is the ridiculousness. I'm talking about a Christian version of Tinder. Whoa. I would, I, yeah, I think that's I would right. react more I don't really if know I what knew Tinder what is. that meant. A lot of yeah. three married guys, all of us over the all of us in our thirties, so not the biggest Tinder crowd, but we did some careful Googling. Mm, which is really the best kind of Googling. It's really the only kind of Googling <laughs> when you're searching for this kind of thing. And Tinder is apparently a dating app okay. for the hip young people. Right. Where there's all sorts of swiping with pictures, which I thought was kind of like a Viking thing at first. Okay. I was like, that's that's pretty risque to be all, all swiping your dates, but that's that's not it. No. Okay. You don't have to you don't throw them over your shoulder and run off with them. That'd be that's not cool. Well, it's the youngest amongst us. Can you break down? Because I think you have the strongest connection. Also being single, did I mention the Matt single? Because he is. Can you break down the way that the Tinder works? Wait, wait, wait you were just to circle back. Matt is single. That is true. I almost forgot that. That is interesting and important to know. Yeah. Not interesting nor important. And to be clear, you're all the worst kind of person. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Let's start out there. Uh huh. Apparently, Tinder is a dating app- application mm. for your smart telephone. I okay, see. you have that right on there, and you can set a radius, which is a math thing. And I didn't do well at math. I don't understand what that means. But you can say like within all the five, the five miles or ten miles, wherever it is, show me all the other Tinder folks uh-huh. who are of a gender that I might be interested in the dating. Right. And it shows you like their name and some pictures and you pick whether you like them or not and if you like each other you can uh, message and so, go so on what and, happens is you you see a picture of the other person yep and you say from this picture i think this is probably someone who has similar values to me sure 
Yeah. Right? The yeah. picture of this person. This person looks well-read in their picture. The, the person <laughs> in this picture and the the exposed skin areas indicates I sense to me, a deep spiritual connection with this person's picture. Exactly they, right. They could probably be a good parent to my children. They well, probably enjoy fiction books the same way I do. Well, sure. Right. Well, good. You make a good point because it is a... It is a entirely secular app. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Apparently conceived as what the kids call a hookup app. Uh, I, I don't know what those words mean. No, I don't know what those words mean. Is uh, that I, like I'm basically great. reading directly from Vice right now. I don't know any of what I'm saying. <laughs> um, Jen, I believe um, hooking up is when uh, a, a two people who are very interested in one another. Physically, mm. this is going to go, go badly. They go fishing together. Wait for it. I oh, see. Nice. I see. Okay. And they, 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 you know, they hook the fish they up. Go, they go hooking up. Okay. You know, that's how they. That's that's how they use that lingo. That was okay. a much more family friendly ending than I anticipated. That was impressive. Let me just tell you what right now. Tell me and don't and don't let me slow down the course of this emergency. It's the last thing I would want. But. Let me tell you what, you find yourself a, a quality Christian gal, and you tell you, know what, I like to go fishing. Yeah. You get her in the boat, she yeah. gets out there, and you say, are you having a good time? And she says, I'm having a great time. Right. You got yourself a quality woman right there. That is one metric one could evaluate. That is technically true. And i tell you another thing. Yeah. Throw that bait overboard, proceed with a kissy face. <laughs> See what I'm saying? Because now it's on. You know sure. what I mean? We go, we're all by ourselves. It's romantical. Yeah. No true fisherman would say that. Hooking up. Starboard romance. <laughs> Lord. Well, as you're pointing out, it is entirely secular. So it's a little, you know, if you're doing some entirely secular um, app dating, what do we really need to know other than proximity and picture? Now, there's a Christian version, as we mentioned. <laughs> I don't know what it's called, but... Um, I like spinner bait. See, like that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, you know I think that's I mean? good. <laughs> I, that, that's exactly like relevant using, to where I was going. I yeah. like using a lure, you know? Well, yeah. And then she looks at that. Well, I like, I like live Some, bait. Sometimes Glenn has it. his own emergency within Let, the emergency. Go ahead, question. Lee. Since we don't exactly know what the app is, the Christian version of Tinder is called yet, so... Why are we talking well, about no, it? No. I agree. What I'm asking is, <laughs> could we just go ahead and declare that it's called Fishers of Men and Women? Oh, I like oh, that. Nice. I like that. Yeah, yeah, it's good. But Fisher, F-I-S-H-R. Yeah, no E. Right, I like right, that. Right. I like it that. up. Yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah. so the, the Christian version, yeah. Fisher, okay. Okay. Is, uh, has some other options to kind of Christian it up. Yes. Okay. So I look at uh, Sydney had, has a screenshot of a profile on this thing, uh-huh. and there's three pictures you can put up. You put in your favorite Bible verse. Ooh, that's and good. And your denomination. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. And then you send them a picture of your Bible. I'm sorry. This I is guess. so dumb. Yes. This is the dumbest. I'm sorry. It's just so dumb. It's so dumb that it's time to sound the call to the Say That Army and say, will you make a Fisher account for Matt King? Right. Oh you can find no. photos online of Matt King. Nope. If right. you listen to this podcast, you can guess some Bible verses that he likes. That's right. What's his denomination? I only like Hezekiah. Sexy. That's Sexy. his denomination. Probably not an option in the drop-down menu. That's if you make a profile for Matthew Montgomery King and send us the screen grabs. <laughs> nope. Any merch you want. I'm the one who has all the merch. Not true. All the merch is in my apartment, and Jed has no access to merch. Let me tell you what. If you have Jed has overplayed his merch hand. If you have creepy people contacting, unwanted contacting of Matthew Cornelius King. That's pretty much what I call family holidays, but okay. Then, then you've pretty much made us happy. Yeah, absolutely right. Because Matt's single, and here's the attitude we have about that. It is just throw sheer numbers at the problem. Yeah. Exactly right. You know what I mean? Exactly right. Inundate him with women. Right. It's like the 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 the, the hadron collider. Very much like that. Where you, you I've s- always said that you're sending the electrons around and you're blasting them. Sure. You see what I'm saying? You got to blast your trons. Like one of them is going to get through. Yeah. That's that's how we're going to do this. Statements like that are why Glenn's uh, Christian. Tinder profile back in the day would not have been that successful. No, it's like the Hadron yeah. Collider up in here, y'all. You know what? Uh, you know, I, I like using stink bait. I'm not afraid to put that out there. Back to that. <laughs> okay. Again, sometimes <laughs> Glenn, uh, 
Here's something you, you, you folks should know about Glenn. Sometimes Glenn will have a joke. Right. And he'll put it out there, and the world will not respond to the joke right. in a way that Glenn finds appropriate right. and acceptable. And right. right. Now, does Glenn say, well, I sh- maybe I misread how funny this joke was? No, nope. that's not possible. Glenn says, time to double down. That's right. <laughs> and keep finding examples. That's right. Because sometimes, let me tell you what, if you're saying to this, if you go, you meet a girl in church and you say, let's go fishing. Yeah. And she says, you know what? Right on. Yeah. You got a love Already the story has jumped into the realm of fantasy. The, yeah. you, got, you, got, you got a love connection happening right there. Absolutely. Because you, you, you know what? Y'all can, you know, as for life. You got a fishing buddy right there. Well, I tell you what, I'm gonna make you a deal. Okay, I'm about to. I think I'm about to make your day. If our say that army will create a fisher with no e profile for Matthew King, right? Get him a date. Their first date will be a fishing date, and you can yes. line Matt out with all the forms of lure and tackle and bait he needs to successfully this, navigate that romantic. This time. sure will go fishing on the clean, pristine waters of Lake Michigan. This may be the best idea ever. <laughs> There it is. Say that False. listenership. Make it happen. No. Fisher this match. Make nothing happen. That yeah, was we, terrible. We go on a fishing date. No. What woman doesn't want to go on a fishing date? All That's of them. That's what I want to know. And on that very hopeful and joyous and forward-looking basis, yes. I declare a dating emergency nice. off. Emergency off. Did I mention you're all the worst type of people? <laughs> <laughs> I think you did say that, yeah. I feel like that's important. Okay. Just want to point that out. I agree. Yeah. I, I never get any pushback on that. They're just not ashamed of it. Yeah. It's, no. Yeah. It only makes them stronger to point it out. That's so Pain uh, makes me strong. Let's see. Fishing. <laughs> no, I'm just going to talk about Bridgebox now. There's no segue <laughs> to be had there. Um, yeah. MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox. You can support ministry. You get a lot of great stuff for yourself. Sermons, Bible studies, um, devotionals. In this month's uh, edition, we have a guest devotional anonymously published by a U.S. Army Special Forces member about fear. And it turns out, when you've been in a C-130 that's taking fire, you learn something about fear. It's true. So we've got that. We've also got a poem from our friend Jazz. We've got um, a great song recorded, written by Lee out of Isaiah 54 from our friends Thomas and Caleb. Yeah. Lots of awesome stuff. But the coolest thing of all is you get to support ministry at the jailhouse and on the streets right here in Chicago for only $8 a month. And every Bridgebox comes with a story about lives that that $8 a month is changing. That's our favorite part of Bridgebox. So you can sign up at missionusa.com slash Bridgebox. You can also sign up at missionusa.com slash BBLY for the Lee Younger branded version. That's a new, brand new exclusive song from Lee every month. And some other stuff and you can always find that bridge box sample link out there to get a free 48 hour trial we're gonna jump to our first question here if you have a question for us you can hang out with us all the way to the end first question comes in anonymously to our tumblr inbox and it says a few months ago my boyfriend and i broke it off we were great friends before we started dating and he became my best friend throughout the relationship now that we're not together it feels like a part of me is missing would it be unhealthy to still pursue a close friendship with a man if it didn't work out relationship-wise? I don't want to lose what we had. I have super close girlfriends, but I've never felt more accepted and been more real with someone than I had and did with him. Lee, why don't you start us off? Um, I, I will, and and thanks for uh, for writing this in. Uh, it sounds like you've been through a tough time, and uh, we're sorry to hear that. We're, we're grateful that you would write in to us. And I, I think the real question is, and I, I hate to kind of answer your question with another question, but... Uh, one question that I think you need to face is, should you have broken up? And now that the relationship is over, is it worth fighting for the the dating relationship? Um, the reason I ask that is because if you had like a really, really great friendship, um, that is, uh, you know, that's kind of the heartbeat of a great you know, dating relationship, eventually a marriage. It's, it's the thing that you're looking for. What I can tell you is, is that if if the dating relationship is not going to work out, if the breakup was the right thing to do, then pursuing the friendship on the back half of this is not going to work. Um, one of you eventually is going to start dating somebody else, and then if he starts dating somebody else, that new girlfriend is super, super not going to want you and your and, and her boyfriend to be best friends. And if you start dating somebody else, it's going to be the same story. Your new boyfriend is super not going to want to be, uh, you know, you, wanting you to have another best friend somewhere else. You know, I think the tough thing about breakups is that if we know that the breakup was the right thing to do, the hard thing is 
to put the emotions in play to to move on from that. And moving on from something is a process. It's something that, you know, it takes time to do it. It takes time to kind of grieve what it is we're walking away from, what it is we're moving on from. If you know that breaking up was the right thing to do, then my take on it is then we need to move on from the whole thing because staying friends afterwards for a guy and girl, it's not very a very realistic proposition. However, you know, it, it may be, and I don't know all the, the uh, I don't know all the, the you know, the, you know, the details on this deal, but it may be that if the friendship was so great and you've been, you know, you haven't been together for a little while and you realize, man, that friendship was really something special, then we might want to go kind of cycle back and look at, should we really fight for this thing? Because that kind of is the heartbeat. It's the foundation of the, you know, of a relationship that you're going to want to take into a marriage and beyond all that kind of stuff is a, a great friendship. Well, I think it's a very interesting point to start out with, but let's uh, let's move on and kind of answer the rest of the question, assuming that uh, the breakup was kind of the right thing to do and we're dealing with uh, just kind of the fallout of that. I think Lee brings up a very good point, but there's not, obviously that's kind of a different question if they're talking about getting back together. So let's look at this from the statement of we are broken up, we're staying broken up, and my feelings on that. Glenn, why don't you take it from that angle? Yeah, uh, somebody, uh, some some amazing Christian dating expert said, "Whenever Glenn says that, he's talking about himself." <laughs> so that's got any real, real time footnotes for the people. Yeah, no, no. The, the, this actually, or he's being sarcastic. I'm being sarcastic. There, there's some amazing uh, expert out there that said the best way to date someone is to become friends first and have no interest in them physically, <laughs> and then you become best friends. <laughs> And then a dating relationship emerges from that, and you immediately get Do you married. You genderless gnome, take this genderless gnome. Yeah, lawfully wedded. <laughs> this is not. It's not how life works. Man. This is not how life works. Go forth and be platonic. This is a terrible way to date someone. Here's how it's supposed to work: You look at a member of of the opposite sex. In this case, you're a young lady, and you look at a guy, and you're supposed to say he's pretty in the face. And he has buttocks that are pert and taut. And here's what I want to do. I want to date him and get to know him and to see if his personality matches his looks and if he's a good guy. So I will get to know him with the idea of dating him. We will date and we will see what happens. We get to know one another. The idea that I got to be friends with this person, then become best friends with this person, and then think about all the physical elements of that, is not really life. It's not realistic. You're actually lying to yourself if you have that idea. If you're not attracted to this person, you shouldn't date them. Simple as that. If you are attracted to them, let's be honest, that's what came first. As Lee is pointing out, there's all sorts of uh, really problems with long-term cross-gender friendships. Essentially, as as Lee's saying, if you go on and date someone else, they don't want you having a best friend that's that's, uh, of the opposite sex. Believe me, when you get married, all that's just completely out the window. You get into the couple friends thing, and it's uh, you know it's a different animal altogether. But here's the thing: is also known as husband playdate. Yeah, <laughs> exactly right. Uh, here's the thing: um, that 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 we need to embrace. Then have friends who are in your gender. Huh. Date people of the opposite gender. Well, that's pretty crazy. That's what we're trying to do here. That was the original idea. Someone said, "Let maybe we can stop all this sex thing and a baby's born out of wedlock if we can just get them to treat each other like genderless gnomes. So it's a bad idea based on a whole different goal that you're not being told. So let's drop that. Uh, let's let's look at, at at the simple facts. Dating relationships, unfortunately, end. We don't want to be flipping about that part. Uh, they're they're tough. They're they're you know it feels like there's a death there. It feels like an an end to a quality relationship with a quality person. You know maybe things didn't work out, but you feel like wow, there's you know we really lost something here. Here's here's the deal with that. It's worth taking that risk anyway. Yeah. That if this is a good person that you're mourning missing, it was worth uh, it was worth giving it right. a shot. Uh, and if those re- cross gender relationships tend to be 
the cross-generator friendships, excuse me, tend to be fleeting, then all the more reason to say, let's take a, another shot with another guy. Yeah. And yeah, I want to be close with him in a friend's sense. Yes, generally speaking, yes. But there's nothing wrong with saying, I'm physically attracted to this person, therefore that makes me want to date them, and I like this person's personality, and I would like him to be my boyfriend. Right, 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 but, right. But we don't need that to be a, a friendship. Right. Uh, in and of itself. I think that's absolutely right. Jed, one thing I'd like to get you to talk to kind of more on that um, train is, you know, they say I never felt as accepted and more real with someone that I had in that relationship. Is it possible that that had, I mean, it's really something to do with the person you're in a relationship with. I'm sure they were a lovely person, but part of that is that romantic relationships are intimate. Yeah. Maybe you liked being in a romantic relationship and that's fine moving forward. Right. Absolutely, absolutely. A a good romantic relationship should have you in a place where you feel accepted, uh, you feel embraced, you feel like um, you know um, you you are seen. All the best parts of you, um, in, in a metaphysical sense, are, are beheld and valued. Um, you know, you, you should feel all of those things, and you you want to feel all of those things. I think the interesting thing is the breakdown comes when we neglect either of the things that Glenn or Lee are describing. Because in many ways, they're actually describing opposite sides of the exact same coin. They're, they're describing the, the complete picture of a healthy romantic relationship, whether it's serious dating or marriage. Um, at some point, there has to be a physical spark. Yeah. Right. There, there is, there is absolutely no way around that. Right. Um, you know, it, we've we've all you know known people of the opposite gender that we just simply were not in any way attracted to at all. Right. Um, and that's not going to work as a marriage. Yeah, and uh, everybody's got their taste, and, and that's you know. that's that's fine. But we, you may, well, if you've if you lived outside of the church culture, you've you've certainly known people that were in dating relationships where they they had nothing in common did not particularly like each other, but they were super hot for each other's bodies, so that's what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Now, in the long term, that's not going to work either. Um, that's, you know, that's just, that's not a possibility. And that's actually what leads to a lot of things like Tinder, is the idea of couldn't we, couldn't we shortcut the system, you know, and just, hey, we're hot for each other's bodies, so let's, just, let's just hook up and just have it be that. The answer is no, that won't work. Uh, the guy that founded Playboy magazine would tell you that doesn't actually work. Sooner or later, everybody gets married. That's that's what he would tell you to have a healthy romantic relationship. You need both of those things. You need to, on some level, be hot for each other. It's a problem if you're not. And you need to have a friendship that is built in the course of that relationship. You you need to have both of those things. If you're missing either one, you can't have, Matt, what you're describing, which is the payoffs of the romantic relationship. If you're missing either of those elements, you can't have that sense of being embraced and being accepted and being treasured and being valued. Uh, believe it, if you lose the physical elements, you don't feel cherished anymore. Right. Guaranteed. Right. Um, you know, that's uh, that won't work. But if you lose the friendship element... Uh, the the kind of more one might describe as the emotional intimacy of the relationship. You don't feel cherished either. Right. You 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 have to have both of these things. But here's here's the one thing I would I would close on is to say those things it they are complementary to each other. They in a healthy relationship in the long term they feed each other. A good sex life is fed by the good communication of a close marital friendship. And a close marital friendship experiences more intimacy off of the outcome of regular sexual interchanges. Right. Those things, they're one and the same. Again, they are, they are opposite sides of the same coin. What you see in the world is people trying to take one half of it right. and say that's the whole thing. And what you see in Christianity is people trying to take the other half of it and saying that's the whole right. thing. Yeah. Neither of which will work. You need both halves working together and feeding one another to have the things that you're describing that you want in this question. I think you're absolutely right about that. And I would close this out by saying um, it's easy, especially when you're young, especially if you had a, a limited number of relationships, to go through a breakup and say, I am very sad and I really like being with that person. Therefore, that must mean that we were meant to be and I can right. only be happy with that person. Yeah. Exactly. When what it may mean more is that breakups suck yep. Yep. and yep. good relationships are fun to exactly. be in. Absolutely right. right. Now, here's the thing. You can have a good relationship with someone else. Mm-hmm. Right. Again, okay. now maybe this, maybe uh, you do need to get back together, and that's where you're working to. As Lee pointed out, we don't want to, um, t- we don't want to totally invalidate that option. But in most cases, if you broke up, you broke up for a reason. Sure. 
And we sh- and if you want to end up going back to the person, that doesn't start from scheming your way back. You actually want to get some distance and live lives and see if those lives reconnect. But so what we're looking at here is you saying, uh, we broke up and I was sad about the breakup. That's where a lot of that soul ties stuff gets jumps into that kind of thing of if you're sad, something must be wrong in your spirit. Yeah. Right, right. No, sometimes nope. something sucks and you're sad. That's right. And you were like, oh, it was really fun to be in that relationship with a nice guy that I was into and had my back. That's that makes sense. Sure. But there, totally. As we don't say because it's wrong. It's like a bus. There's another one coming. Yep. Well, that's right. There's another dude who looks like him, has is just as sweet, loves the Lord just as much. And he's got well, his thing that's going. Why, you know, we were talking about at the very beginning, this process of mourning this. You know, it, it is when you break yeah. up, yeah. it is like a loss. And there's when you're mourning yep. a, a loss of someone that you love, there is just this weird gaping hole inside you emotionally where you're like, how can I, you know, if, if I look at these pictures, will it bring them back? If I watch these old videos, will it bring them back? If I listen to our song, will yeah. it bring it back? If I go to that place that we love to go, will it bring them, them back? And you find there's no bringing them back. And it's the same thing if you're trying to like, well, what if we just stay friends? It will it will not bring that back. If the breakup was the right thing to do, yeah. then, then grieving and mourning and recognizing that's where you are, but going all the way through that process is the right way to do it. I think it's an abs. It's a fantastic point, and it does point to this idea. And this is a little bit of what Gwen's talking about. Um, a friendship is not a almost yeah. relationship. No, nor is a romantic relationship super friendship. Right. Those are different things. You have to see them as different things. Well, look, Glenn said actually we were talking recently. I don't think it was on the podcast, but he said something actually. This oh, that's right. Sometimes we talk off podcast. That's right. Deal with it. He said something that actually is pretty profound, and I mean that seriously. Which is. When we talk about, and you've heard all of us say this on some level, um, for for those of us who are married, for each of us, our wife is our best friend. That right. that, sure. that is true. But the thing is, that doesn't tell the whole picture because right. it's it's not a, a best friend in the way that you might think of a best friend. It doesn't. Right. It's it's actually not quite like that. You know, mm-hmm. it's using it is a singular relationship. It, right. Well, it is to use the Bible definition of a thing, holy. Yes, it is separate. It is different. I mean, mm-hmm. you can describe it as an extremely close friendship, and it is, and it has the elements that you would expect in extremely close, but it is fundamentally different from any other relationship. Yeah, it goes beyond, you know. It, it goes beyond in a way that words actually kind of fail to, right. to convey, but I think that's part of the problem is it'd be easy to say, well, I mean, if I'm, if, if I'm super good friends with this guy, then that would be almost kind of like we're married. No. No, 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 no. And to a point we made earlier, a lot of people who work really well as relatively close friends do not work in a romantic context. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot to take in there. But one of the things is we we always um, encourage you when we're stuff like this. It makes sense that you're sad about a breakup. That doesn't mean that relationship was the right thing for you. And you can move on. Absolutely. You have the power to do that. We're going to move on to our next segment here. We've got an interview with singer, songwriter. He's a good dude. His name is Danon Kane. I get a chance to sit down and talk with him a little bit about uh, his music and his struggles with depression and how all that came out. So we will take you to that right now. All right, Danon, thanks so much for joining us. And I guess um, to introduce people to uh, you and the record, maybe just tell me a little bit about the uh, the theory behind the uh, the title, Flesh and Soul. Yeah, Flesh and Soul, um, when I looked back at all the songs I had written for the record, I, I saw a theme of just kind of the, the honest brokenness of, of my struggle, and I think that that tension that everybody feels if they're they're trying to follow after Christ, that tension between the flesh and the spirit, and uh, how we, we want to please God with everything that we do, but yet we live in fallen bodies and in a fallen world, and, and so uh, there's just a lot of... A lot of just kind of honest brokenness and crying out to God, like, Lord, I, I, I love you. I want to please you. I'm struggling and and asking for him to, to meet me in the middle of that. Yeah. D- did you kind of set out to do something that had that kind of um, therapeutic quality for you and the listeners? Or did you just, was that just kind of what was on your heart and it ended up being the record? Yeah, I think I, I never really set out um, to write about a specific theme. I just kind of write a collection of songs and 
and see which ones I love love the most and then see if there's a theme later and and there usually is and with this one the last four years of my life it have been one of the most difficult seasons of my life I went through a, a very very difficult breakup um, with someone that I've that I love dearly and then just had a lot of other things in my life that that fell apart that I was that I was uh, that were very dear to me and and so kind of walking through that 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 struggle that loss that rejection um I just I, I went through a really really long extended valley season and so a lot of these songs were were just kind of burst out of that um you know not even knowing which way to turn or or, or, or what God was up to, but just crying out and asking Him, you know, Lord, I, I need Your help. I can't, I can't get through this by myself. And I, I feel like that—that's really represented on the record. What's the experience of sharing that kind of messier part of your story been like? Both with, I don't know, maybe uh, collaborators and certainly audiences. What's it been like putting that kind of messiness out on Front Street and seeing how people react? Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, I, I've always kind of I'm a singer songwriter, and so I share my heart from stage. Always, I've been traveling, and touring for about ten years now, and and so I'm that that part of it's not foreign to me. But but opening more up about um, some other topics like my struggle with depression and and really the loss of <clears throat> of that loved one. You know, I remember when I wrote the song "I Miss You." Um, uh, when I wrote that song, I I called a friend of mine and said, "Man, I, I wrote a song I really love, but I'm I'm going to be sad because I'm going to have to sing this, you know, for yeah. the for the next 15 years and kind of reopen these wounds and go back to those places." But you know, when I've when I've done that at shows and I've shared my heart and I've shared my brokenness, you know, there's usually a line of people at the end of the show that they come up and say, thank you, that, that helped me. And I'm going through the same thing. And that helped me kind of get in touch with some of the things that I'm struggling with and thinking about wrestling with God about. And, and so to see that, to see God use it, makes it a lot easier to open up and, and just say, you know, here's where I'm at. I don't have all the answers. Uh, I'm still, still hurting. I'm still going through some stuff, but I know that God is faithful, and 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 I'm just going to share my story and see what He does with it. Well, specifically with depression, because as I mentioned uh, in kind of our little pre-interview chat, there it's some a uh, topic we talk to folks on our podcast a lot about who are writing questions, and it seems like one of the biggest. And I know this is true in my own struggles with depression. One of the biggest revelations towards healing on that is that you're kind of not a defective person. That this is something other people sure. struggle with. Just people don't always talk about it. So what's it been like finding kind of that community of people who struggle with this thing? Yeah, I, I, I think depression has been a, a, a very present presence in my life ever since I was little. But I think I've only kind of embraced that reality in the, in the last few years as, you know, this isn't just a seasonal thing for me. It's, it's been a consistent theme and, and with all the stigmas attached to that, you know, I, I always kind of felt a little like I was I was going to come off weak or there was shame attached to it. But I think over the last couple of years, that's really kind of broken down as more people have really opened up and said, you know what, I I deal with this. It's not just I'm going through a difficult thing in life or a circumstantial thing. There's a there's a presence that that's consistently there. And so I think, you know, the more and more people open up about that i think the less power it holds the less shame is attached to it because there's really there should be zero shame attached to it it's something that we're we're dealing with and we're wrestling with and just like anyone else has different issues that they're they're dealing with so it's it's definitely been helped it's helped me a lot to open up and then get the response of oh wow thank you for sharing that I've, i've been struggling with that for a long time too and, and just talking with someone who can relate, you know, to relate to the feelings that we go through and the thoughts that we have and and, and uh, to just to have that community of someone who understands you can 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 go a long way in the healing process. Well, and how is um how is kind of did you say I think it's a very good point that acknowledging and even sometimes putting the uh, the label of something like depression on 
the way you're feeling can help a lot. How has that kind of um, manifested itself in your songwriting and kind of your art? And has that helped you kind of process it or get through it? Yeah, it's it's interesting. I might I have a, probably a little bit of an odd an odd thought process on on my depression. I think in the last couple years, I've really kind of looked at it in a little bit different light. You know, I've I've thought about the seasons that I've gone through where it's been the worst, and even though those were not my most you know obviously fun times and and joyful times, those were the times where I felt like I. I pressed into God the most and I grew the most, even though it was painful and even though it was sad and lonely and a lot of different things that are all attached to that. I felt like in a lot of ways I saw that my depression actually brought me to the foot of the cross because I had nothing else. I had no energy. I had I had nothing that I could do on my own to say that God I can get through this I really just had to depend on him I had to cry out to him and and in a lot of ways I've seen that God has used even my depression to bring me to him he's used even my sorrow my my struggles he's used my 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 brokenness the most to bring uh, an understanding that I am not capable of getting through this life on my own he he is my sustainer. He is the vine. He is my everything. He is my holiness, my righteousness. And so, you know, I, as I used to look at my depression as this shameful thing or this depression as um, this affliction that I somehow needed to find some sort of cure for, I, I started to look at it as, um, you know, something that has brought me brought me to to uh, to the feet of God more than anything else in my entire life, and I started to say, God, you know, even you can use this, like praise you. Even you can even use this to to bring me to your love and understanding that the God of the universe is here for me and that He is my everything. I think that's fantastic stuff. I think um, our audience is really going to respond to it. So, Dana, if they want to find you online and on social media stuff, where can they do that? Yeah, my website is uh, danenkane.com, D-A-N-E-N-K-A-N-E, and I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I love to, to interact with people, so um, I'm, I'm a, a small indie, so I'll, uh, if, you, if you write me, I'll, I'll definitely respond, and I love, I love meeting people, so uh, I would love to connect. All right, and we'll uh, also throw all those links in our episode description on iTunes. And um, the new album is Flesh and Soul. It's on iTunes. It's on DanaKane.com. So go check it out. All right, big thanks to Dana for sitting down and chatting with me. That was a lot of fun. So he brought up something in there. We kind of, when we have these interviews, uh, if someone says something that sparks kind of an idea in us we want to, that we want to kick around the table, and in Dana's it was that idea of I thought that depression had uh, disqualified me and ended up being something God could use in the work I did, which I thought was a very interesting idea and something actually uh, specifically about depression. All of us on this show have said to one extent, but there are other things. So I want to kick around to the guys and ask, what's something that at one point you thought you would have to give it up to be useful to the kingdom, and God ended up actually using that very thing? Glenn, why don't you start us off? Yeah, I think for me, uh, music is a thing. I, I really started off being the... Uh, the, the praise and worship guy for the high school group. When I was in the high school group, uh, when I went to college, I was the token campus ministry music guy that was not behaved well enough yeah. for everyone to be glad that he's there, but uh, can play guitar, so they, they let me do that anyway. Uh, so um, that was really my main thing, and I started doing volunteer prison ministry and uh, 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 doing the same thing there, leading worship, uh, playing music and stuff. And uh, I started leading uh, the, that worship, and then they, they said, well, why don't you open us in prayer? And I did that. And then finally they said, well, why don't you try taking a sermon? So I did that, and <laughs> it may be a, qual- a, a comment on my quality of preaching, maybe a comment on my quality of, of leading worship, but immediately there was a, hey, wait a second, 
I think we'd much rather have you preach than lead worship. We can find other people to lead worship. Uh, so that became a thing, and, and, and I was offered a ministry job to be the chaplain of that facility. And so I found it, kind of found myself at a fork in the road where really I thought of myself as a music guy. Uh, you know, it was very kind of, uh, you know, that was kind of the fantasy is of being, being a rock star and sure. that kind of thing. And, uh, and, and I loved music, but I also loved ministry. And here was a huge ministry opportunity in front of me. So I felt like I was at a crossroads. And uh, obviously I chose ministry. Uh, something for which I have a, an immensely greater amount of talent for, it should be said. And uh, I, I never regretted that choice, but the music thing just kind of died on the vine and nothing really happened with it. But as as we're talking about here years ago, um, I was uh, just kind of fooling around on the internet and I, I had uh, done some music uh, and posted it online anonymously and I had a record company uh, contact me and say we'd actually like to release this and and put it in Christian bookstores and stuff. And it was it was just a huge uh, gift to give that up to the Lord and then have that come back to me. And I put it uh, put it out under an assumed uh, or excuse me an, an anonymous uh, uh, what do you call it uh, pseudonym pseudonym. There you go. And, I went to college. You said I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but when that happened, uh, it it, uh, it gave me an opportunity to meet a young man by the name of Jed Brewer. That's true. Uh, and that really kicked off that whole relationship and led to a really amazing thing. So it it's it, and now I get to dabble. I I still get you 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 don't know it and you're probably offended by it now. But I I appear on some of the music stuff that you hear on Bridgebox and on the podcast and stuff. Uh, again, in a, in in a, in a anonymous way, but it's just an awesome thing that I was able to give that up to the Lord, and and He gave that back to me in in a certain sense. That little boy grew up to be Jed Brewer. Why don't you tell us about your story here, Jed? Well, and the question is, you know, something that I thought you know wouldn't uh, God would yeah, you have thought, well, for it. sure, I'm gonna have to use, lose that if I'm gonna be Christian. Sure, 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 sure. Well, for me, and actually relates directly to this podcast is. Um, I hate stuff that's serious for no reason. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, like, to me, the ultimate is you're, like, at a weekend retreat, and everybody's at the campfire and just having a good time and cracking jokes. There's always that one dude's like, hey, guys, I know we're all having fun, but why don't we stop that and talk about God? <laughs> like, to, to me, that's just the worst thing in the world, <laughs> you know, uh yeah, you, know, you, you hate, you know, I mean, like, because I grew up a preacher's kid, so my whole life, you got all these moments where you just, man, I'm just trying to live my life. I'm just trying to be chill and just, yeah. relax. let's be religious now. <laughs> I cancel what you're on. It's religion time. Just gonna time kill to the stop buzz. all that joy and be religious. Exactly yeah. right. Exactly right. You know, and, and for me, I mean, like, coming up, I mean, I loved Saturday Night Live. I loved, you know, Mad Magazine. You know, I loved, you know, goofy movies and whatnot, you know, and, and part of that was because for, you know, I grew up in actually a pretty tense household. And so, um, you know, humor is kind of an escape from all that and, and, and a really cool thing. But all the Christian stuff, you know, that I was around kind of growing up and through my college years and whatnot, all had that same, we're going to be totally serious now because God's honored by our solemnity. That's our <laughs> sacrifice of really unhappy praise. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, and it's like, you know, it's that thing of like, you know, I do love the Lord. I want to do something with that. And maybe I just, maybe I just got to be that super serious, straight-laced guy. It's like, mm-hmm. well, yes, hallelujah, brother. It is right to give our praise to God. Amen. Mm-hmm. You know I mean? You know, but to me, it's such a gift. The fact that we get to do, for example, this podcast and we can cut up and yeah. be ourselves mm-hmm. and, you know, crack jokes and, and, you know, make people laugh. I mean, to be honest, y'all, as you listen to this, you have no idea what a gift it is when we hear back from you guys and you're in on the joke and you're going back and forth Absolutely. with us. I mean, I remember one time, it was a couple of years ago, we've been doing this podcast a long time now, where I quoted something from Monty Python in, in a part of a reply to a serious question. It actually 
you know was relevant to the discussion yeah, just kind of slid in there and it's this moment of like oh god has seen me and smiled upon me <laughs> right. you know what yeah. i mean because you know I mean, again he's you know, using even this for his glory exactly right exactly and, and i was like lord whatever you want i'm right. i'm a happy man you know right. so for me you know getting to, to cut up and, and be a goofball and not have to be serious because we're going to be religious now right. it's time for the religion right. talk what has god been doing in your life glenn i'd like uh, you to share with us now I was having fun. Should I stop now? Yes, right yeah. now. <laughs> no uh, fun. Testimonies. <laughs> so, yeah, I thought I'd have to give up fun sure. um, right. in order to be on this Christian thing. A lot of churches, you'd be right. A lot of churches, you'd be right. And, and the Lord has made it very clear in my life he has no interest in that at all. In fact, fun is part of the point and part of what he uses in my life to help other people. Absolutely. Lee? Um, well, you know, when I started playing music, and actually even before that, even when I was a little kid, I remember growing up, we would have like these little, um, like the kids in the neighborhood would get together and, and we would like have like, uh, we would put on little plays and stuff like that. And I always wanted the mic. I always wanted to be up in front of people with the leading lines and all that kind of stuff. When I started playing music, I wanted to be the guy in the band singing. I wanted to be in the front of the whole thing. And as I got more serious about the Lord, the the feeling that I got, especially from the church where I grew up, was just that that was the most vain thing ever. It was just a. It was just kind of a. And, and you know, maybe to a certain degree, whatever. But it was a. It was a vain thing that was going to have to go. If I'm going to walk with Jesus, I cannot you know, really desire to kind of be, you know, to be up in front of people, to be heard and all that kind of stuff. And what's funny is that now a huge part of my life is, uh, is actually leading worship. And Jed and I have talked about this recently, but uh, one huge misunderstanding that people have about leading worship is that it actually has very little to do with your proficiency as a musician, it's not about yep. being the best guitar player in the room or the best musician in the room. Most of the guys that are in the band where, uh, you know, the, the, the guys that we, you know, I lead worship with at, at our church, most of those guys are leagues, leagues better musicians than I am. They've, they've done, uh, you know, tons, they have a lot more experience. They know a lot more about reading music, all that kind of stuff. But the reason that I am the guy leading the, the music is that leading worship, it winds up at being a whole lot more about being the guy who can steer a room. And who can get everybody yeah. together on the same page. And in order to do that well, you have to not be afraid to get into a mic and tell people this is what it's going to be. And what's really cool is, you know, as a little kid, just kind of wanting the stage and wanting the mic and wanting to be up in front of people. As I started walking with the Lord, I thought, well, that is something that's going to have to go because that's vain. And it's, and it, you know, that's a, that's a prideful thing. But the Lord has actually used that because... There are a ton of great musicians who are scared to death to, you know, step into a mic and say, this is what it's going to be. We're going to do this thing now and uh, and and uh, let's go. And so, you know, it's it's a thing that I thought I would have to leave behind. But in a lot of ways, in a lot of different parts of my ministry, not just leading worship. That's a great point. I'll t end us out on this one by giving one something that uh, I thought I would really have to lose. It's kind of a combination of what Jed and Lee were talking about, kind of the opposite of what Lee was talking about. I just want to be left alone. Yeah. Right. I, I literally um, was, for whatever reason, I think just maybe I could read or whatever, I, I was offered the part, the main part of like the kindergarten plays. And I recall turning them down and saying, oh, no, I will throw right. a fit the likes of what you have never seen. Right. If you make me get on that stage, I'm right. out. Right. Oh, no. So I really do like being a behind the scenes guy more than a front guy. And I think the thing when you get into Christian stuff, especially when you get into ministry stuff, it's all, you know, all the stuff you see is going on on the stage. Yeah. It's all up there. You got to, you got to get up there and you got to, like you got to smile, and you got to be trim, sparkly T-shirt, totally, and behave, and you can't be kind of a back row snarky jackass like I kind of <laughs> want to be. So right, uh, a couple right, things on that. Right. One, um, I get to do a lot of uh, eighty percent of what I do is behind the scenes, I mean, yeah. on the mic. But really, that's the other thing. When we get to like good ministry deals, is most of what everybody yeah. does is behind the scenes. That's setting people up, it's being part of a team, and that's all awesome. And as Jed's talked about, the, the medium of kind of blogging and podcasting allows me to do a lot of ministry without having to do too much extroversion, which is really good for me. And the other thing is, um, because we're dealing with people on this podcast uh, and the blogs who kind of know a lot of church stuff, and even we're guy, dealing with guys in the neighborhood who a lot of what we do at our bridge services, tearing down the idea that the guys we're dealing with wouldn't be welcome in church, uh, a lot of what we do is kind of uh, snarky back row jackassery about right. church stuff. Yeah. Right. And uh, 
that's for the kingdom yes, making fun right, of right. stupid church crap, yeah. which makes me incredibly happy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, hopefully you learned something from all those. And even if you didn't, they were fun for us. Absolutely. So, uh, I had a good time. Let's know about that. We'll move on to our final question here. Come in anonymous with our Tumblr rocks, and it says, I'm about to begin pursuing a PhD in computer science because I want to have a career doing research. However, I'm worried about my Christian walk and if I'm doing what God wants me to be doing, I fear that I may be caught up in my ivory tower while 90% of the world is poor and starving. I can hear the accusations about my privilege that others don't have and won't have due to money, class system, government restrictions, wealth distribution, lack of education. What are your thoughts? Jed, why don't you start us off? Well, man, I love the heart behind your question. It's just, uh, it's, it's a great, great question. And I think you have no idea how honored the Lord has to be by the fact that you would ask it. Because uh, here's the thing, man. The huge, vast majority of people have all kinds of wealth and privilege on their sides, and <laughs> they have no concern about whether yeah. it's cool or not. And are not willing to admit it. I'll tell a quick story before Jed can. Jed and I are having a meeting with some really cool church people about kind of an area. We actually met with a guy at his church and his pastor about an area of expertise where this guy had worked for 30, 40 years, and we wanted to get some insights. We got to meet. And it's uh, as we pull off the interstate onto the uh, into this very wealthy suburb of Chicago, the first thing you see is a Ferrari dealership. Yeah. So we're talking to these guys, and this guy's giving an example of the thing. He goes, well, you know, you in a, in a, in a place that has a lot of money, like, and he starts naming other places. Yes. Catches the just slack-jawed stare. Jed and I are going to go, I mean, I guess maybe – Maybe there are some wealthy people here, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we've, we've all dealt with people who are capital R rich, mm-hmm. who will insist to their dying day that they are blue-collar, middle-class people who nobody never gave them nothing. Right. Dang straight. So I, I, given that, I love that You know, there's a, kind of an implicit message in your thing. I get that I'm privileged. Um, you know, I've had opportunities plus really kind of genetically I'm privileged in that I have the intelligence to be able to pursue a PhD in computer science. That's a big deal. Here's the thing. This is, and this is, uh, it applies to your situation, but it actually applies to everybody. The holiest thing you can do in any situation, in any situation is say to the Lord, here's what I have. What do you want me to do with it? That's it. Cause this is the thing you didn't decide to be born with the privileges you were born with. That wasn't up with you, up to you. You didn't decide to be born with a brain that operates at a very high uh, clock speed. Uh, that's a that's a computer science nerd joke there I for you. See. Yeah, I put that out there just for you. Um, I'm buffering. Yeah. <laughs> well played. You didn't decide to be born with the brain that you were born with. Uh, you didn't decide to be born in a family that valued education and would, uh, at the very least, not prohibit you from doing that. Those things were given to you. Um, they, you didn't really actually have much of a choice in it. But you have a choice now in going to the Lord and say, what do you want me to do with that? Now, sure, there is a chance that as you seek the Lord's voice again through the vehicles of Scripture, wise counsel, and prayer, there's a chance the Lord may say to you, oh, don't, this computer science stuff's not for you. And we're going to go to the inner city and we're going to open a soup kitchen and it's going to be a whole thing. That's possible. And we we want to be open to that possibility. It's, he's God. He can do anything he wants to. But I don't know that it's the strongest possibility. And I don't know that particularly in the short term it's the strongest possibility. I think what the Lord might begin to paint a picture for for you is all of the amazing things that a computer science PhD for Jesus could do for the yes, kingdom sir. and for the world. Mm-hmm. Because it's amazing. Now, I actually, uh, if you've been listening for a while, you may know, I actually, not a PhD, just a bachelor's, but I, I studied actually double E, electrical engineering in school, which in many schools is the same department, um, as, as you would know. There's a million things you can do with that, all right? You could easily, you could go tutor anywhere. Any, you know, after school program, any kind of disadvantaged school, there's a ton of kids need help with math, physics, science, computer science. You're qualified to tutor on all of that. And they always need people to do tutoring. You can do that. I can tell you from personal experience, all of the economically disadvantaged um, uh, churches that w- we deal with in the inner city, none of them have up to date right. computer equipment. Um, it's very rare that they know how to set up or install the computer equipment they do have. Um, that's actually true in a lot of places, but it, it tends, it's often true with the churches that we deal with. You're qualified to help with all that. You yeah. can hook that up. Here's another thing that you can do. 
you can find places, schools, if you're going to have a PhD, you're actually qualified to teach, you can find schools in all kinds of developing nations that probably would love to have a guest lecturer for the summer that can come in and teach some of their foundational computer science courses. Because, of course, one of the things that's true about computer science is it's an area where developing nations could produce workers that could compete in that field because the infrastructure costs are so low. You know, I mean, it's hard to do steel manufacturing without billions of dollars of infrastructure. It's not hard to produce coders because, right. again, the infrastructure costs are so low. If you wanted to go, uh, again, there are countries all over the world, I guarantee would love to have someone who could come and lecture over the summer, teach, you know, the introductory computer science courses or their capstone courses, all kinds of things. And there you're providing a way for people at an economic disadvantage to be able to better provide for their families, uh, be able to better their communities. This is you know, just two minutes of off-the-cuff ideas, I'm sure if you start thinking about it and praying about it, you can come up with a million better ideas. But the point is, the sky's the limit. That's that's the point. If you say, Lord, here's what I got, what you want me to do with it, and you're open to the possibilities, what you have before you is a life of adventure. If you're willing to be used, I promise you, God can and will use you to uh, address in some small ways, some larger ways, all the things you're concerned about. You will be part of his answer, I guarantee you. But it begins with that attitude of willingness, which is the thing that you've already got. That's absolutely right. Lee, why don't you take a little different angle on us here? And obviously, you can absolutely use your gifts in whatever it is, uh, in this case, computer science, to reach um, people in faraway lands, reach people with different economic strategy. Now, also, and this is not less valid, uh, people in the ivory tower in academia or whatever the thing is need to be reached. Why don't you look at that, kind of reaching the subculture you're in? Well, one thing that's interesting about the town where I work is that a lot of the people that, that, you know, I work with young people in high school and college, and a lot of these people are the children of PhDs in computer science because we have a national lab thing going on in Oak Ridge. And uh, there are a lot of people who, you know, drag their kids to church and they're sitting in the Sunday school class, and these kids are, like, unbelievably brilliant. And, you know, I'm... I am not one of those people. I did not do well in math. I don't get the computer science. I'm just the son of a football coach who can play a little guitar, that whole thing. And when I'm talking about stuff, they get this look on their face like, I'm not letting you through the door, dude. I think you're an idiot, and that's where this stops. Here's the cool thing about that. There are people that I can never reach because they are in your ivory tower. I do not speak their language. I do not understand their jokes. I do not know any of the, I do not have the schemata for any of the stuff that they think is cool or any of the stuff that they give value to, but you're in there. You know these people. You know how they think. You know how they talk. You know how to speak their language. One of the cool things about being, uh, about outreach, and any of these guys will tell you this, is if you're going to reach somebody, you have to earn the right to be heard by them. You have to, they have to think that, that, that you care enough to know what they're like, or that you understand them or get them. You're already there. You already know these people. You have relationships with them. You work with them. You are the dude that can reach the people that are right there working with the computers in your school, in your PhD program, around, you know, and whatever systems or, you know, stuff you're building, whatever. All those people need Jesus. And Jed's right. There are people in the developing world that need Jesus. There are people in the inner city that need to be tutored and all that kind of stuff. And there are people in the ivory tower who need Jesus in that PhD program. And they will never listen to me, ever ever listen to me because I can't do it, but you're right there. And so uh, it's, it's something one time, uh, actually one time Glenn was talking to our high school folks and he said, he was telling the story about a kid that he used to work with named Sputnik. You remember the Sputnik story? Yeah. Glenn? And, yeah. and he had this, the statement, which was he had encouraged this kid. Sputnik was trying to be cool and nobody was on that. And Glenn said, dude, you're a dork. Let your freak flag fly. Yes. Yep. And go reach all the dorks. We need you out there in the kingdom. And and that's mm-hmm. and that's the whole thing. I'm not, you know, is is there are people that are lost right there where you are and you get them and they get you and you're the dude. That's absolutely right. Glenn wants you to pick up on this idea, however, of trying to react to criticism before you get it. That's actually <laughs> yeah. admit acknowledging your privilege is healthy. That is right. not. Yeah, you know, as as he says in the question, I can hear the accusations about my privilege. Uh don't the, that's we don't want to go at it that way. 
A godly life is not uh, lived in reaction to imagined accusations yeah. from dumb people. <laughs> uh, that's not... Uh, the views that, of Glenn Fitzgerald do not necessarily reflect those of the Say That podcast. Yeah. Here's the thing. Um, uh, as, as we uh, often say in our ministry, a man of God acts, he doesn't react. Uh, this is about making choices. Uh, and it's about recognizing, as these uh, men have pointed out very well, anything can be used for the glory yeah. of the kingdom. Amen. Anything. Anything you're in. You can, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. I have, I have a blog. Uh, it's at uncaglen.tumblr.com. That's U-N-K-A-G-L-E-N.tumblr.com. You write me and say, this is what I'm into. Tell, I have no idea what I could do for the kingdom with that. I promise you, I can give you three great ideas of what you can do for, for the kingdom. Anything that you're into uh, can be used. Now, it will help you if you're sharing what it is that you're into and what it is you would like to do with ministries that need lots of resources. If you go to certain kind of churches where they've got lots of money lying around and they've got you know somebody that they want to hire for all sorts of different things, well, they're going to tell you, we don't want you to, to help us in a haphazard way. We'd rather go pay an expert for whatever, whatever. But if you're dealing with an inner-city ministry like ours, we are constantly looking for a person to solve some bizarre problem that we have. Around here, we have a term for them. We call them an Adam Whedon. Yeah, absolutely right. There's a there's a computer a geek, bless his heart, that is helping us out right now. And saving us difference. tens of thousands of dollars we don't have. Hey, no question. I just got to jump in. I was actually um, talking to a person who may have his name somewhere that recently. I think he was feeling a little embarrassed that we might have been talking about him a bit much. Right. So from now on, it's Schmadam Schmieden. Okay. So we're not going to talk about I'm Adam never all, all the great that. stuff he's doing and how valuable it is and how important that is to us. We're going to keep it down the down low. We're going to keep it on the down low and talk about this other guy. Schmadam. Schmadam. L- learn, learn from what you hear, the, the way you hear them react to me on this podcast. You can't let... Glenn and Jed know you're embarrassed by something. <laughs> right, that's right. Because then it gets rammed up. Yeah, I don't know if we told this story on the, the podcast before. I'll make it quick. We had a guy, we wanted to get into a certain residential program. Uh, it's across the border in Wisconsin. Really perfect program for this guy. And we, you know, we we drove him all the way up there. And we said, ah, you know, really, we'd just, it'd make a huge difference if we could get this guy plugged into the program. And the, the guy in charge of the program kind of gave me a look like, you know, this is, a, this is a big thing to ask for. And so I told him, I said, uh, look, uh, what do you need? You tell me what you need. I told you what I need. What do you need? And he Chicago, said, that's called a favor for a favor. Exactly right. And he says, toothbrushes. I don't know what happens. These guys in this place go through toothbrushes like you would not believe. They're, they're, they're putting me in the poorhouse with toothbrushes. That's what I need. I need toothbrushes. Now, here's what I'm trying to tell you. I know exactly one guy in this town in Wisconsin, and he does garage doors. So, you know, I have no, all I know really is. Really, uh, as far from toothbrushes you can get. That's what I'm saying. I call up my garage door guy, and I say, I need toothbrushes, my man. He says, I got a toothbrush guy. <laughs> okay. Here's what I'm saying is. This we go to the to this guy's house where he has a brand new uh, garage door and <laughs> the garage is filled with toothbrushes cuz he works on the line at the at the at the factory the oral b factory yeah and then so like, he's got like all the factory seconds yeah it comes out saying the uh, oral c so he puts it and puts it off to the <laughs> side cuz you can't you got to reject it. Well, he's been saving them cuz you're supposed to throw them away, but he's been saving them somebody someday I believe God will use this. And everyone's like, "You're crazy. You got 50,000 what my the bed of my pickup truck is full of toothbrushes." I, I drive that back to the residential guy. I'm like, "Bam, problem solved. <laughs> Take him. Goodbye. God bless." <laughs> and I t- peeled out before he could change his mind. But this is what I'm saying. This toothbrush guy was right. God yep. used yep. it. Yep. It, does, it doesn't matter what you've got. 
God absolutely will use that one day in some kind of way. Who knows what? So, and, and again, if you share that with somebody who needs resources the way a ministry like ours always needs yeah, resources, absolutely. you know, it, 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 we may have you on the back burner for a minute, but believe it or not, it'll come up. We'll need what you have. No question about That's it. That's absolutely right. And it's a little bit gauche to mention it, but it, it's, it's germane to your question. So we kind of have a responsibility to. There's also such a thing as working a very nice, high paying job and that you like and using your financial resources to fund things for yep, that help yep. poor people. That's yep. that counts. You betcha. There's um there's a lot of very rich churches who try to play it down like that's not as cool as starting your own thing, mainly because they don't want to give money to things that don't have their name on them. Uh, yep. Mm-hmm. There's a church in the Greater Chicagoland area who has a tens of millions of dollars annual budget who has told both Glenn and Jed, oh, we, we don't we don't want to give money. We feel like our expertise. Right. Here's the thing. They suck at everything. Yeah. Right. Except getting money out of rich white people. Right. And they don't want to share that. Right. Yeah. right. So that's right. the thing. You say, hey, you know, I've got this job. I know I've got a lot of privilege. You can give them the soup kitchen. You can volunteer your time. That all counts. Anything you're going to do to Jesus is very clear about this. Matthew 25. Anything, anything you do to help. Poor people, prisoners, immigrants, widows, orphans. That's all positive. That's all to the positive. Right. That's that, right. It doesn't have to be that I quit it all. And if you say, look, mm. I like computer science. I live in a very wealthy area because I got to live near a college and there's just not. You make donations. You can you can uh, go teach the things. That all counts. Be creative. And the, the important thing is not to look at something and say, well, that's not enough for God. Yeah. Because yeah. God's probably not going to tell you that. He, there may be a process of kind of building it up and more, but there's always something you can do right where you are. All right? We appreciate you listening. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. Remember, this address is missionusa.com slash bridgebox, missionusa.com slash BBLY. We're going to take out an outro song. This is one of the many awesome worship songs that Jed has written for the, our bridge service. It's one of my favorites. It's called You Have Better. It's a lot of the stuff we've been talking about here about relationships and jobs and things that we thought God couldn't use. Of course, you have better for me than I have for myself. Great team. We're going to take you out with that. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. Let's say that podcast announcing the new Matt King dating app, Bearder. (laughs) (laughs) You have better for me than I have for myself. You were sad in heaven when we deserve hell. You offer me things that will not fade away like the love of a father who is here to Day, and I don't know how to be happy And I don't know how to live And I tried what made sense to me But it was all just counterfeit You have better for me than I have for myself You were setting up heaven when we deserved hell that are fleeting and I want things that won't last but you offer forever a future instead of a past you have better for me than I have for myself you were setting up heaven when we deserve hell you offer me things that will not be That would kill me And I want What won't fill me up But you Refuse to cheat me With anything less than The gift of your son You 